Hello and welcome to Chatty AF, the anime feminist podcast. Welcome to the third episode of our watch-along of the shoujo series Yona of the Dawn. My name is Caitlin, and I'm a writer and editor for Anime Feminist, as well as writing for The Daily Dot and my own blog, I Have a Heroin Problem. Joined today once again by uh, Peter Phobian and our special guest, Gabriella Ekins. Hello, I'm Gabriella Ekins. I've been a mostly daily streaming review or an occasional reviewer for Anime News Now for the past two years. Recently, you may remember me for uh, my Pop Team Epic Reviews last winter. And I'm Peter Phobian. I'm a producer at Crunchyroll and a contributor and editor at Anime Feminist. Yeah, producer. Title change. Sweet. Big time we're doing this. Thank you. All right. Today, we're going to be covering episodes 13 to 18. First, let's check in our predictions from the last uh, episode, which I actually wrote down this time. Um, Gabo predicted that Yona is not the reincarnation of the Red Dragon, but rather the Chaos Dragon, a la the, uh, <laughs> terrible anime series that was, like, uh, based on a D&D game with, between Kino Konasu and, uh, I believe, Narita, uh, and Gen Urobuchi. Ryogo Narita. Yeah. Yep. Uh, did that come true? Not yet, but I'm still holding out. <laughs> Just got the episodes wrong, but it's going to happen. Yeah. Um, and uh, Peter predicted that uh, it would actually be the Thomas Harrison Red Dragon. But like, I I don't remember this. Did I say like from the from the Hannibal series, the Great Red Dragon? Yes. Okay. Yes. Oh wow! Is there even a Red Dragon actually? <laughs> Is that one of the colors that's available? I might have screwed up there. That's like the lead dragon. That's the the Yona dragon. Okay, nice. So once again, uh, in the future. And uh, the chipmunk would be voiced by Ryan Reynolds. See, I'm watching the sub. So uh, is somebody watching the dub? Can they? No, uh, was, can they confirm? Yeah, yeah. Oh. Uh, it was actually Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp. Wow. Okay. Yeah, he's doing that's the pirate thing. Have... Mm, kind of problematic. Yeah, unfortunate. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, all right. And then Peter also in seriousness uh, predicted she would finish collecting the boys in this stretch and it would examine the idea of the divine mandate of rulership. Hmm. Well, I'm definitely wrong on the first part, but I think mm-hmm. with the green dragon, it's starting to explore that a little bit. I, mm-hmm. I guess we'll get into that. So maybe I was yeah. right about something. Maybe. Maybe. Uh, Gabo said something about jrpg classes and going into what it means to be reincarnated as a dragon uh i guess the second part is mostly the prediction and it's starting to go there with a jha is his name yeah but that part hasn't really been resolved yet Mm -hmm. but it's sort of inching that way which is promising and other so outside of the predictions what do you guys think of these this stretch of episodes i think this is where you can really tell that the pace has slowed down like uh that I liked sort of the set of episodes about the with Geta, but it's kind of just taking a while. Like it's taking a long time to collect all the boys. Geta, do you mean Gun uh, Gunte? Gunte, yeah. Sorry about that. At this rate, she might just finish collecting them with the anime ends or something, and then our battle continues. As far as my impressions, I have some mixed feelings about the things that happen in this episode. It kind of got to where I want it to, but I don't know if I like the way that it's doing it. And on, oh, on both fronts, because they're also ex- uh, kind of uh, examining what's going on with Suwon. But I'm not sure if I 
like that too much either, but I will probably elaborate as we go on to different points. <laughs> so yeah, it's doing the things I want, just not, I'm not sure if it's doing them in the way that I would like it to be done. So uh, in this stretch of episodes, they uh, acquire the blue dragon and name him uh, Sina or Shina, depending on how you Romanize it. Uh, there's a little bit of Romanization shenanigans because it is going from Korean to Japanese to English, which gets a little wacky because those are three languages with very different sound systems. Um, but it's uh, Romanized as Sina. I might revert to the old Romanizations just out of habit because they changed them while they were subtitling them. Oh, awkward. Yeah. Mm. Suwon. We have a little Suwon two episode aside where he goes and hangs out with the uh, Earth Kingdom General, Guntei. And uh, Guntei is not impressed at first, but figures out that there is more to Suwon than meets the eye uh, as Suwon sets up a festival for them and Guntei just really wants to fight. And then uh, Yona and her boys go to the city of Awa, uh, which looks lively on the surface, but is actually very troubled because it is run by a corrupt group of city officials who kidnap girls, beat people who, and beat up people who resist them. And they meet the green dragon, Jeha, who uh, works with a group of pirates who are opposing the corrupt city government. And so we meet a lot of new friends this week, including learning more about the blue dragon, who gets the name Sina, and is a very sweet boy. Yeah, he's a puppy boy. I'm a little confused. Have they, like, described... His power basically makes you, like, freeze in place, right? Or have they not told us what it is, actually? Because we kind of see what happens back in his flashback, right? Right. It's kind of implied, so it can... Since it is, like, not as... It's more magical than a physical power, like the other dragons, it is a little ambiguous. Um, but he can... Basically, he can see really far distances um, and very well. And he can um, paralyze people with his eyes. And it's it's not on all the time, right? Like No. He wears a mask no. because he's comfortable with it. He's not like a Gorgon. He's not like Medusa. Um, yeah, he's just more comfortable with the mask on. Or okay. afraid that he'll randomly turn people to stone, I guess, is the thing that they're trying to... Well, when, when people treat you like a monster, they, you kind of feel like you're a monster. So he's, a, yeah, he's, he's afraid of being what they thought he was, even if he knows that he's not. <laughs> That's totally understandable. Yeah. Anyway, he's a cute he's, boy. He's tra traumatized. Um, and he, <laughs> I, I actually really love his character. I love how, specifically, like, how he is written. You can sort of very like you can see the effects of the isolation on him in pretty much every aspect of his personality he's just very like he's so like shy and timid and he speak like he's very he's quiet because he's not used to talking to people and when he does speak he like he's very like haltingly and like almost like childlike speech patterns oh i think he has one of the best designs of the crew he does I think the designs in the show are kind of mid-range. Like, I like the art style, but they're a little generic, and he has one of the more distinct ones. Like, this would be a cool character to get in a Fire Emblem game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just sticking to that, huh? 
Yeah. His, his eyes are so beautiful. Some Mononoke thing going on, too. Mm-hmm. I just like the color of his hair. It's a nice shade of blue. Like Lancer? It's a little lighter. I actually like the shade of blue better. Okay. All right. Hawk is the Lancer. I guess. Yeah, yeah that's true. I guess uh, some of the ambiguity. I, I do like the, the weird, the way he's weird, given that he's like never left his cape before. I think that's pretty funny. Um, I felt, I'm, I'm like wondering if there was more to that arc in the manga though, since it kind of seems like they never really bothered to talk about, I guess that everybody was like afraid of him, uh, because I guess there was some sort of bad experience in the village where they thought his eyes were cursed, but it never really gets into it. Uh, Like I would assume at some point somebody accidentally used his eyes on the village or something and then they came to fear him and then stuff happened, but it like, I guess they're prejudice or their fear of him was never really kind of I guess maybe it doesn't really need to be written out it just felt weird didn't, didn't they say that it's because like people there was a history of people coming to the village to try and get the magical eyeball guy did they yeah that's what I remember which again yeah. feels a little weak like uh I mean how often has that happened when you just like tie down the magical eyeball guy or something it seems kind of like hard to kidnap him I don't know but I think that's the explanation uh, Gija kind of talks about how, um, like, his village, in his village, he was revert, revered. The people of the, like, blood of the dragon were considered, like, almost holy, but, like, he realizes that that's not necessarily the case everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, because these people are powerful, and that's really scary. <laughs> that's really scary. Like, even if someone, like, isn't necessarily, like, malicious, wouldn't it be terrifying to have someone who, like, if they felt like it, could just use, could use their eyes to totally paralyze you to the point that it's deadly when no one else can do anything like that? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It seems, yeah. But it seems like all the other dragons, at least so far, have knowledge of the kind of situation and I'm not sure why the one with the most apparently magical power would also be the one whose, like, history regarding the dragon power was lost to time. Because, like, even the green dragon who appears, like, you don't even, he's not in a village, he's just off on his own. He, like, is specifically avoiding Yona because he knows about the the connection thing and wants nothing to do with it, which some will talk about. But it just seems like, I guess I kind of wanted something like there to have been an event where you learn how the village got so screwed up rather than just, like, kind of... A lot, there was a lot of insinuation, I guess, is what was ha- what happened. Yeah. Yeah, they'd, like, started living in mountain caves. Like, yeah. why didn't they just ditch the guy? I feel like there's, so there's a huge backstory that's not really... That you're just kind of... I mean, I'm okay with, like, stuff kind of being implied. That's cool. But it's kind of like... They're, they're, like I think there was, like, a, maybe a design here, and we just don't get to see it. Maybe that was, like, an associated light novel where they talk about how screwed up the Blue Dragon Village is or something. Yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, that's something that, you know, if you felt inclined, you could write about yourself. Oh, yeah. Just some fan fiction. Uh, yeah. Some hurt and comfort fic. It's okay. I've never done a fan it's, fic it's, before. Fan fiction isn't just for girls, Peter. Yeah. Anyone can write it. I'm, uh, I'm, <laughs> I'll think about it. <laughs> we'll see if I get any inspiration. And then we also meet uh, Gunte, who is uh, the opposite of the Blue Dragon. Um, and also uh, my husband. He's a rowdy man. He's not a boy. <laughs> he is very a man. He likes to fight. He doesn't like to dress up. He has big, big, crunchy hair. 
There are two things in this world that he loves, fighting and his wife. I kind of didn't get what uh, Suwon was doing there. I mean, I think, like, kind of everybody in the kingdom kind of knows that he killed the last king, right? But they don't have anything on him, so they're just going, like, well, we're not going to... I'm not going to be the one to stand up and get cut down. But now Suwon's kind of playing like he's kind of an idiot, I guess. It's one of those things... Something I like that you get in these kinds of shows is they kind of, like, have men who are kind of... uh, strong or ingenuitive in, in like, non-traditionally masculine ways. Uh, and normally I, I like that kind of thing in a series like this, but I don't see how that connects to Suwon's character, especially because it seemed like he killed the king because the king wasn't uh, kind of a strong enough presence and, like, military personality to defend the kingdom. And now he's making himself off as an even weaker person than the original king. And I get, like, even even if he's trying to make the military strong, you got to imagine that the enemies of the country, they would hear that this new, like, king is even more kind of foppish than the old one, and they would think, oh, maybe now it's time to attack. So I almost feel like acting that way is sort of inviting a foreign invasion, and I have no idea why he's doing it, especially when everybody kind of knows that he murdered the last dude. I just can't yeah. identify the reason for him to act this way. Yeah, like, playing weak is something you do when, or, like, playing stupid is something you do when you're in a position of weakness and someone could root you out. At this point, strength might better consolidate his forces and immediately just get, like, the guy's, like, Gante guy, crunchy hair guy on his side. <laughs> yeah, he could have more easily won him over if he's just like, oh, no, we're going to go to war. I'm going to take out all these guys who invaded our country and now I'm going to defend our borders. He could have won the guy over just as easily that way. But instead, we had a whole episode where he pretended to be clumsy uh, embarrassed himself in front of all of the foreign nations people and kind of won the guy over because the guy realized he was smart anyway. The schemes are at least cool, and who knows, maybe he's trying to look weak to, like, uh, bait an invasion or something? Yeah, that, that's the, like, I could think of two reasons to do that, either to find out people who would be willing to try to overthrow him or to actually encourage an invasion to, to justify him striking back militarily so that he's not the first person to attack. That's why I could imagine somebody doing that. But in absence of those two reasons, I'm like, why aren't you just, like, getting the military together and going to invade all those places? Because obviously things suck right now. People are starving to death. Well, playing harmless has kind of always been his thing, right? Like, even when he was a child, he acted like he was sweet and harmless so that no one would expect that he had his eyes on the throne like he he told yona like the sweet su like the suan that you knew was never was never real which i don't think is necessarily true yeah that's definitely but he is he is um used to sort of operating on that level of like not having people take him seriously I don't know exactly his motivations for acting that particular way, but it was, I can only guess, but it was effective. And like, he puts on this festival and in doing that, um, even though Gunte was like, why are we just like being so silly and like just doing this like ridiculous thing? Like he accomplished several goals through doing it. Like he found a new, basically a new economy for, um, like two new economies for the Earth Tribe, the gems and his wife's tea. He played, you know, he got a, something for the people to f- 
be fired up about. He got uh, it's so that Gunte's people could see their leader and get excited for their leader. I don't. Yeah. So I don't know why he's so he pretends to be ineffective, but also just he is effective. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, this game's that, like, the whole thing about the tea and the stones themselves, I think, was smart. And he could I mean, he could have had the war games taken them seriously and still engineered his own loss mm-hmm. without, like, making it look like he's a fucking idiot, I think. But uh, <laughs> I, I do think, yeah, like, on the other side of that, his schemes have also proven that he's actually a way more effective king than the last king. Because, what, it took him, like, two days to improve one of his vassal economies uh, dramatically. Almost zero effort. All he did was visit them. He's just like, oh, these are two like commodities that no one's taking advantage of. Let me make a market for them. And so I don't. Things aren't really looking good for Yona's daddy, um, as far as that's concerned. This guy's. Yeah. On that note, like at least economically, this guy's a lot better than her dad. And I'm starting to wonder about the whole divine mandate thing. That was that was how that worked into it. Yeah. Basically, the only perk of Yona's dad is did not like war. Yeah, and then even then, the the did not like war like allowed the other countries around them to sort of nibble at their borders. So yeah, and also like I feel like when someone wins the throne, like through violence, through usurping it, like Suwon did, it can be an advantage if like people don't take him seriously and they underestimate him, because they're gonna be looking at him like there he's gonna have enemies through doing that and he doesn't want his enemies to just to know exactly what he's capable of but anyway i like gunte gunte's good he's not i definitely like he's not (laughs) the kind of character i generally like but he's attractive i've gotten like as i enter my mid-20s i'm like getting more excited for like the older anime men right (laughs) before i was like oh there's like an Oji-san character in the game I'm playing and he's like 35 and I'm like what? <laughs> right? I'm like uh, I want an adult. <laughs> like the the pretty teenagers whatever. You move past that. Yeah. The uh, the older guys with the crow- the tans and the crow's feet. That's where it's at. Yeah, can we have a harem of that? Like this yeah. with like a 29-year-old protagonist. I mean, there's Ristorante Paradiso. That's that's a little too old for me. Yeah, no, no. Just like a, a bunch of uh, Gunteis and Kotetsu from Tiger and Bunny. Yeah, <laughs> just give me a harem of that. And he just has a really sweet relationship with his wife. Yeah, good wife uh, too. She just she she's adorable. She just keeps calling him adorable. Right, they found a tea. Oh, that's what I do if I had a crunchy husband. <laughs> crunchy Kawaii all the time. Crunchy husband. <laughs> Oh, that's what someone will call Peter when he gets married. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say, is that what Peter's going to be someday? I knew we were going to go in this freaking direction. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> one day. I can only hope one day. Someday you'll find a, a crunchy wo- a, a wo- crunchy woman to make you a crunchy husband. That means I would be dating an employee, which I'm pretty sure is a is a, a bad thing, right? You're not supposed to date coworkers. Is that right? It's a bad thing. Um, it is, a uh, uh, complicated and has a lot of potential complications. Um, and then in the last two episodes, we meet Jeha, who is also my new husband and also Hawk's new husband. He's one leggy boy. Uh, 
It's true. I mean, it's true. Dim legs. Jeha, who has the uh, the green dragon, who has the dragon's leg and can jump really well. <laughs> Which lets you jump. And kick. Yeah. Jump and kick. Is it? Did it say that like made his kicks? Does he have his like really ridiculously strong legs? Is that how it works? Or can he fly? Or both? Um, I. I think he he can jump so well that it's like he's flying. Okay, which means like he gets he... it's muscle power, which also means he can kick the shit out of people. Right. Yes. Okay. Okay. Cool. It seems like way more awkward to just have one of these than like only having one of the arm. Like, why not just right. give him both? Like, with a leg. Like, if you if he's landing and he kind of messes it up and he lands on the other leg, then that leg's gonna be really fucked up. <laughs> And, like, is one longer than the other? Does he have, like, weird mismatching shoes? That, those are those seem like serious issues. Serious questions to ask about his legs. Well, look, it looked like he had decent fitting shoes that uh, hid, his, hid his dragon legs away from, <laughs> nice enough, nicely enough. But yeah, I like Jeha a lot. He's only in, he's only in two episodes this stretch, but um, I really like his arc of being, like, I don't like I like my life and I like the people around me and I don't like the idea of like just because I have this leg uh I have to um be in service to this to this person like that this destiny shit is bullshit yeah I mean this is definitely coming up with the whole weird imprinting thing right I think with his character it's it's kind of uh, like right out there that it's almost like when you meet her, you your other self comes out and says, no, you're her servant, and you don't get a choice in the matter, uh, which is honestly some kind of scary shit. Yeah, it's like Twilight in printing. It's just pretty is, messed is up. Is that a thing in Twilight? Yeah, the, the, werewolf the worst portal. part of Twilight is that like the werewolf guy who like is Bella's like number two who loses. Yeah, yeah. Like his, Mr. his like Yeah, his yeah. like consolation prize that he imprints on her newborn baby who will like grow super fast into like a teenage vampire kid like his yeah she'll turn eight like she'll be like an 18 year old within like three years and then she'll stop aging oh like raptalia yeah unfortunately well vampires have like well werewolves have like imprinting true loves and like he does it to this newborn baby who, because he's half vampire, will age super fast so they can be together. It's really, really gross. Twilight is very strange, but I don't, I don't think it's totally um, analogous. Just because, like, yeah, I don't think yeah, a it's lot not of that those bad. elements are possible here. <laughs> yeah, it's. I mean, it's it, it's just that like he feels like he needs to serve her. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting because like the series gets compared to Fushigi Yugi a lot. And in Fushigi Yugi, none of them really ever, because, you know, it's the same sort of, like, destined warriors, like, having to, uh, you know, going around and collecting them. But, like, in Fushigi Yugi, none of them ever sort of question their destiny. Well, I mean, they go through, I, I assume it's like a similar arc pattern where they meet new people and, uh, God, I can't remember what the main girl's name in Fushigi Yugi is. Miyaka. Miyaka, that's right. Uh, she kind of, if I remember correctly, I know I watched at least the first like twelve episodes. Uh, she kind of wins each of them over in her own way, and it never becomes like a, a huge plot point as to whether or not they like would have reason to not want to do shit with her. But like they, 
they see something in her that makes them want to follow her, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. So I think it, it's kind of like less on the face of it, whereas in this one, this guy's like, actually serving somebody is kind of antithetical to the way I want to live my life. Uh, but it seems like he's not going to have much choice in the matter. I assume she'll win him over so that it's less... Uh, so like it's it's like at least framed as kind of a free will thing, um, but it's kind of scary nonetheless. Yeah, this is where I'm hoping that where like the show explores a little bit and where there might be some like fruits basket influence because fruits basket is a show that's totally all about like the horrible emotional ramifications of like being the reincarnated version of like this animal. Not not those parts are just ridiculous. And like being like magically imprinted for this yeah, person just forever. Your your destiny tied to this person, whether you want it to be or not. I can't wait till after next season when I can understand these references. <laughs> it's Fruits Basket next season. I think it's next season. Yes. Yeah, it's April. Yay! Yeah. I know. I'm so excited. This is gonna come out <laughs> when Fruits Basket is already out. I bet. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Probably. Oh well. Uh, as of recording, uh, Fruits Basket is next season. Yeah, the I guess there's a little bit of fruits basket influence here. I haven't seen much Fushigi, but this show seems to be leaning a bit more into like the angst and the trauma that these boys have gone into due to like their status as like chosen ones. Yeah, except for white dragon. And that that's a that's a fruits basket thing. Okay, okay. Yeah, you know, Kija was was raised sort of with the concept of like this is this is this is your life's purpose. Uh, this is what you're destined to be doing uh this is what we are training you for and he's like okay yeah this is this is what i'm here to do and suna was like they were basically rescuing him from like a life alone um and, and being hated and jayha's like no i i like i like my life this is you know he he likes being a pirate he has like this city that he's trying to protect he has um, a pirate grandma he has yeah pirate he buddies. has an awesome pirate grandma yeah uh who i want to be when i grow up when you grow up yeah when i grow up i'm not grown up yet but yeah like it makes sense that he's sort of resistant to the idea sorry spoilers he does end up going with them is is sort of giving him a reason a motivation to go with her uh antithetical to the idea of like not wanting to be dictated by destiny or is it um i'm sure what it's going to come down to is he's going to say well i'm choosing to follow her and therefore it is my will and therefore i'm doing it freely and right. therefore there is no problem she's gonna win him over with like the force of her personality and her mm-hmm. yeah I mean, legit, she has, uh, even, like, with all this imprinting stuff, I think, in other ways, she has shown, each of, like, each of the characters has grown to respect her in a different way. So they think that she is a good person to follow, separate from their um, genetic impetus to do so. I, I guess I, I don't think it's, like, really been a problem uh, so far, but it definitely is kind of, like, something that they have really put to the forefront each time she meets somebody, is that they see her, they're, like dragon genes activate and then they're just like oh this is my master <laughs> that's uh <laughs> like wow well like i said they both of them had like perfectly good reasons to like not really resist going with her she is growing as a person and as a leader uh we see that she is staying up way too late practicing her archery 
trying to shoot trying to shoot things with it um yeah when that when when the pirate lady said what isn't there anything you do well why didn't she say archery she's been practicing for weeks um so even I don't combat think she considers relevant. herself that good yet yeah remember she knows hawk hawk is a fucking prodigy at everything uh involving fighting so uh, just say so you can shoot a bow so the lady lays off I'm good at being the reincarnation of this dragon. Yeah. No, I'm I'm a motherfucking princess. Yeah, I'm I'm literally through my bloodline your queen and there's nothing you can do about it. How's that? That's right. I'm the rightful heir to the throne. I'm the main character. Yeah, also the main character. That's pretty important. Yeah, she's got hockey too. Actually, that was a joke, but that's true. She straight up looked at people and they like freeze before. It's almost like she has blue dragon's power. Like the way it happens seems supernatural. I'm not alone here, right? She's got, she's got the death glare. Yeah, she's straight up got hockey. Like that, I think that is actually a magical ability in series. She can make people like she gives them the the royal eye and they, they like bow down or freeze. In that's place what or I figured like in like the first bunch. So that's that is like, that feels like a power to me. That feels like something she specifically can do. I don't think I don't think it's been treated as something supernatural. At least not like so far, even in the manga. Um, I think she's just has that much force of developing that much force of personality. She is like the destined ruler. Like she is, she is the crimson dragon. So like, I wouldn't say that she specifically has like powers to freeze people with her eyes, but like. Oh, that's right. She's the red dragon. That's right. Yeah. Like she, but like, I don't think it's a specific power. I think she just has that like very natural charisma and can use that to intimidate people okay you know she she gets a look at like what the world is like outside of the palace like outside of these villages but just like the level of starvation and corruption that her father let happen because uh sometimes like pacifism is not always the best answer yeah I mean, I think it's becoming apparent that her dad is actually a bad king. Yeah. Unless there's some huge extenuating circumstances. Yeah, I don't know why he's getting scenes where they're just like, actually, he was a good guy. I mean, maybe they're trying to, like, make him out. It's, like, supposed to be complex or something. But they keep on... They make it sound like he has some sort of hidden face where, like, a lot of him being a nice guy was just kind of... Um, I mean, like, probably natural compassion, but also hiding the fact that he was, like like kind of a badass but then you get scenes where it's just like oh also all those people were starving so he was actually really bad at his job probably yeah what does yeah. pacifism have to do with like entire villages starving yeah and i mean once again suon just walked into a village and improved their economy in two days so uh yeah <laughs> yeah kind of i her death she might have to face the fact that her dad's really shitty at being king and her heritage actually isn't all that great despite the fact that it has a divine mandate and if that's the case, what does that say about her reclaiming the kingdom? Because essentially, well, she's she well, she's going out and she's learning about the kingdom, right? Like, she is she is sort of seeing the damage that her father's policies are doing, and so she's and talking to people and learning learning about people, and so hopefully she'll be able to do better. I guess, but what's what's the message there? Like every good royal line needs to be overthrown once in a while, so it can like reestablish its roots with its people and then take its rightful place as the leadership again. Like royal blood atrophies until it has to fend off a, a revolutionary attempt by the people. 
Like, at this point, it feels like Soon Won justifiably killed that guy and should justifiably be king. I think it's that uh, you have to make room for a cool princess to rise up and collect boyfriends every once in a while. Yeah, it's just, I mean, th- but that's cool. I'm not, I'm down with that. But also, it's if, if this is, like, something that it, it's, like, her destiny to be the queen because of her bloodline, when you see what the last of her bloodline was like, then it's like, well, okay, well, the, maybe that bloodline's not that great. Maybe we shouldn't be trusting a, a, a single genetic line with leadership of this country. I don't disagree. And I think and I think the manga is kind of thus far grappling with that. Okay. Where it's like, yes, like Yona is the, the rightful heir and she's the crimson dragon. But Hawk is a good king. Or not Hawk. Suwon. Yun- Suwon. Thank you. God, I got there eventually. No, I didn't. I only got there with your help. Um, Suwon is a good king. Yeah. Like, he is, he's an effective leader. Um, he's intelligent. He can, he sees opportunities. Like, I think, and I think the manga is sort of uh, dealing with that reality. That's, like, really cool, but I also have no idea how you could reckon that. (laughs) That ultimate and ultimately Yona and Suwon, like even though they're enemies, like they are, they want the same things. They want they they want to set the kingdom right. Uh, as Yona like sees more and more of the damage of her father's policies. I think the story should head towards Suwon doing something stupid, <laughs> like probably going to war against someone he shouldn't have, or following his father and probably becoming like a shitty warmonger. So, like, Yona has to be the resolution between her dad, who was, like, pacifist to the point of not being able to do anything, and uh, a more vicious king. That could be, yeah, that could be a direction for it to go. Yeah, I mean, but he did, it was assassination that got him where he was, so that, that's kind of a, a not mm-hmm. great way to have started things off. Yeah, and Yona's out there learning, out there learning, like, empathy for the people, like, she's not just, like, fixing things, but she's, like, talking to people and seeing, like, so personally, like, the effects of what's going on. And she, you know, she saw that the child that got killed, like, that was because her father was such a weak leader that it, that the city officials were able to run rampant and do whatever they want and take advantage of their people. Is this the town that they're turning into, like, Drugville? Yeah, um... And uh, human trafficking. Okay. It's a big, like, trafficking hotspot. Wasn't his whole speech regarding overthrowing the king, though, related to the fact that the people were suffering and he didn't, he wasn't, like, handling the problem? Yes. Okay. So it seems like Suwon's aware of this, actually taking steps to fix it. Yeah. It's, um, and they're both, and they're both traveling around and seeing the country, so... I don't I don't know how it's going to shake out between the two of them. I honestly don't. The manga is still running um and it's a long running series, so <clears throat> and the US releases are behind. So like I I sincerely don't know where this is going to go. But um the fact that Yona is Yo- Yona is doing this is I think really powerful. Um and really makes this manga special is that she is working so hard to learn and to not become self-sufficient necessarily because as a ruler like she has like she has vassals she has people serving her but learning to be a leader and learning 
be strong and learning how to fix things. And I think that is really like, I think that's really awesome. And the fact that she is taking her own protection into her own hands more and more is really, I think, uncommon for a lot of these kinds of series. Because most of them that I can think of, like, the girl is being protected 100% of the time. Yeah, this really feels Um, like a 2010s update of this sort of very similar story. Like, Fushigi Yugi, but uh, Miyaka isn't annoying and learns to, like, stand up for herself. Right. To an extent. Yeah, I mean, it's not an isekai, but it has a lot in common with a lot of those, that sort of isekai. Yeah. It's, um, so I'm also, like, Red River from far away, or, yeah, from far away. Inuyasha. Um, Inuyasha, like, I mean, in Inuyasha, Kagome could shoot a bow. Um, but, like, a lot of those series, like, the girl is more or less helpless, which is not like not necessarily a bad thing like it's fine to have a non-combatant uh protagonist but it's really cool to see a heroine who is like taking things so much into her own hands i'm excited Um, to see her when she like finishes leveling up (laughs) she hits level 100 and gets to like class change and she gets a horse out of nowhere and now she can use a swords princess has leveled up into queen yeah, these are all Fire Emblem jokes. So, circling back around to Jeha. He's up in the do boyfriend you, rankings. Mm-hmm. Do you do you guys think he is bisexual? Yes. Do you think he's genuinely into hot? I mean, uh, I have no idea what the writer meant. But right. uh, they are really playing up his flirtatiousness. I don't know if they meant to, like, actually portray a bisexual or just, like, really, really playing into I know this one's for the BL fans out there. But yeah. I I read him as really into probably like Pan. He just likes beauty. Mm-hmm. He just likes pretty people. Yeah. He's just like... Because the first thing he says to Hawk isn't, uh, oh, you look really strong. It's, oh, you're handsome. Yeah. <laughs> and like that is what his a lot of his pursuit is. Like, yes, he wants him to... For the pirates, like you think he would... He thinks he would be helpful. But, um... Yeah, a lot of it is like, oh, you're really hot. <laughs> Come join me. Come hang out with me, hot guy. Yeah, be my battle boyfriend. Let's be pirates together. That's a great first date. Let's go be pirates. Nice pickup line. Jayha's <laughs> like the lancer of the gang to me from fate and personality. Hawk's yeah. lance. I think they might have the same voice actor. Hold on. I'm going to look this up. It's very important. Yeah, it's very important. It is very important. Speaking of voice actors, I've been listening to the English dub, and uh, it's not terrible. Glowing endorsement. Caitlin has a problem with uh, Yona's voice. It just doesn't... It's very affected, I'd say. I could listen to it, but I see what you mean. Uh, oh, no, he's not the same as Lancer. He's uh, Ar- He has the same voice actor as Archer. Oh, that's much worse. <laughs> not dissing the VA, but uh, that is a step down in husband material. Yeah. That is a hard Jun- step. <laughs> Junichi Suabe. Uh, so, like, my big problem with the dub is that Keisha's, or Keisha's voice actor is Ian Sinclair. And I'm normally a big Ian Sinclair fan, but the type of character he voices is, like, space dandy, zap from Blood Blockade Battlefront. He has a very strong, like, and deep, like, I'm a 
rowdy rapscallion voice. And that doesn't <laughs> suit Geisha at all. So, like, imagine, like, space dandy voice coming out of the white dragon guy. It doesn't work. It doesn't, it doesn't work at all. They should have just switched green and white because uh, Jeha has a much, like, softer, higher voice. That's a little um, too soft for him, I think. But it's not as bad, like, but mostly Geisha is really off in a funny way. Jeha, like, he doesn't have a particularly deep voice in the sub, but I could see, um, but, like, it would work better than having, like, a really deep voice, I think, would work for Kija. Like, and also, like, Ian Sinclair has a lot of, has a lot of, can turn on the charm. Yeah. And, which is Jeha. He can turn on the, I'm a, I'm a smarmy lad. Mm-hmm. Smarm. That's a good way to yeah. put it. I'm yeah. a smarmy rowdy boy, and you want me. Um, that shit. Turn on the smarm. Okay. Anyway, sorry. But um, yeah. No, I I don't. I can't imagine that really working. That's weird casting. Otherwise, I'm curious about where Leggy Boy is gonna hop next <laughs> in terms of his damage. And learn his his tragic backstory. Yeah. Why is he like this? Does there need to be a tragic is... backstory to just want to have fun kicking people with pirates? Kick him back. Kicking it. I'm betting he was locked in a box or something. These types of stories oh, always shit. have one yeah, there. It's right. like, boy, who's locked <laughs> in a box? All right, I'll put that under prediction. I was imprisoned and I will never be imprisoned again. Yeah, uh, I was born in a box and they put a <laughs> baby chain. <laughs> yeah. That is tragic. I escaped my mother's womb. <laughs> that will never be held again. A very traumatic birth. Yeah. I mean, I. it seems like it'd be traumatic to give birth to a scaly boy. I just wouldn't blame him if he just didn't want to leave uh, Gigan because she's amazing. Yeah. Pirate mom. I bet he just like saw her once and was like, I know where I want to be. Yeah. I would follow her to the ends of the earth. Yeah, she's yeah. got she's got it together, especially because I assume she's constantly smoking opium, but is able to stand up and <laughs> give orders. That's impressive. Yeah. No, no, she's, like, romanticized anime part pirate, so I'm sure she, like, does not allow drugs on her on her ship. Well, I I mean, she doesn't allow killing, which in this series is, uh, is kind of a very fanciful idea. So I was like, oh, that's cute. That's very Disney. I wonder how they get away with that. <laughs> Probably because they have a god guy who can kick people. Yeah, yeah, just subdue them. I mean, you literally had a child get beaten to death in the same episode where they introduced a bunch of like joyful pirates who are just like, we'll never kill anyone. We just rob from the rich and give to the poor. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense that, like, it's definitely, like, a romanticization, but it does make sense that, like, if the city government is so corrupt, then, like, there are the people who are defending it are the outlaws and rebels. But not killing is very uh, is very optimistic. Yes. Especially from her, because she seems like kind of the, the hard-ass type. Living in that hive of scum and villainy. Well, and she's just like, she's like, oh, Yona, you can't do anything? Well, then get off my fucking ship. <laughs> uh, I can look pretty. Well, that's why they have Jayha, so. Yeah. Yeah, there's yeah. a lot of pretty people and in that group. I don't know if she stands out in that regard. Unless you're into redheads, which, I mean, seems a lot of people are in this world. Well, because she's the Crimson Dragon. Yeah, the whole white village had a type. They definitely did have a type. Yeah. There. Um, you know, well, yeah, red hair is very uncommon in that universe, and for them it was a sign that the Crimson Dragon had arrived. I'm just saying, if she were my li- my little pony, she'd be Rarity. Is that the rainbow one? I don't know. I just know his name is Rarity, and 
and red hair is rare. That's my. Oh wait, that's Rainbow Dash. Is Rarity the purple one? I don't know. Yeah, Rarity's the purple one. Okay. I'll take your word for it. But um, all right. Do we want to do uh do some predictions? I think we've covered pretty much everything we wanted to talk about. I'm down. All right. So Gabo predicting that Jaha was locked in a box. Yeah. Uh, anything else? This predict. is going to be for the last stretch of the anime. Yeah, I think we like kind of have to predict an ending here, right? Predict we're going to meet the last scaly boy, and he's going to have all the body parts the other ones don't have. Hmm. So he's just going to be a lizard a with like a. He's a dragon head. <laughs> he's a lizard with like no eyes, a human arm, and a human leg. Wow, that's extreme. Maybe he's got a tail. He has one of those like lizard like necks where it goes in and out, in and out. Oh, he's just the uh, girl from Mysteria Friends. Okay. Got that one written down. What else? He's gonna be more of an orange color. Uh I mean we saw him in the old opening, so Oh true. I think in the new opening too. I think he's they just actually give everything away in the Oh yeah, I forgot to talk about what do you guys think of the new openings and endings? I actually kinda like the song. I hate them. Oh. I thought they were a major step down. I like them in isolation, uh, but yeah, I think the other ones were like more thematic. So I, uh, I, I think the the first one kind of hits the, the kind of setting that the the story is trying to do more. It reminded me of the Twelve Kingdoms opening, which was kind of very similar in the way it did its music and like showing things. Um, the new ones. The just music kind also of like, sounds like it's like fifteen years old. I mean, isn't it? No, I don't think so. No. Yona the Dawn. Yona the Dawn's not that old of a series. Isn't it? It's only like four or five years old. Yeah, I guess it doesn't really feel that old. 2009. No, no, that's the manga. 2014. Holy shit. That is pretty recent. I have trouble believing that was that recent, actually. God, did we, we really got a female-led reverse harem fantasy series with decent production values in the last five years. Yeah, the show is like super a throwback. Yeah, yeah. This is like yeah. hella early. People thousands. were saying that when it came out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because yeah. um, yeah, I think in regards to predictions, I can't honestly like where it, I think it has to end with like them finally getting the last dragon, maybe kind of setting up how dangerous the villain is, and then it's just got to end right. It can't really show a final conflict because I guess the manga is continuing to go. So, and this is probably just an advertisement for the manga, basically, as is most anime. So I predict that. Yeah. Su Wong is going to do something fucked up that, like, shows that Yona is going to need to intervene. Like, so far we've mostly seen him as the king doing all the right shit. Yeah. But we're going to see, oh, like, be, why yeah. he's going to be a villain to Yona. That makes sense. More than just killing her dad. Yeah, he does something that shows that he's not, in fact, the better option for the kingdom, maybe. Yeah, framing him as a villain uh, would be good. Because, I mean, there was that first scene, but after that it's just, like, the country's improving under his leadership. So you're just like, hmm, well... I have complex feelings about this. But yeah, maybe him showing some some villainous credentials along with her, like, getting her squad together and then going like, okay, and now we overthrow the kingdom. And then the credits roll. Yeah. Yep. All right. I'm going to predict that <laughs> do you someday... Do that? Okay. Someday... Yeah. They will make a second season. Oh, shit. Okay. The, the meta prediction. Yeah. Okay. I believe it. <sighs> someday... I actually don't know how it did. I don't either. The manga is, it's a long-running manga that I think it's fairly popular. Yeah, I mean, it's been going since 2009. 28 volumes. Damn. I wonder how deep deep in the story are we right now. 
don't know. Okay. I can see us it's... getting an audience like women like anime. This is just like classic lady fantasy of the isekai type without the actual isekai. Yeah. With like a slightly like more active protagonist, which is like fashionable now. Magic Redheads has been doing pretty there's we got Snow White with the red hair, Ancient yeah. Magus Bride. It's a genre. Yeah. It's still working. They gotta hit it while the iron's hot. Give Isekai back to women. Yeah. Yes. You hear that? Oh, this was Piero too? Wow. Okay. Yeah, you hear that, Piero? Give Isekai back to women. Give us more cool action fantasy shoujo stories. Ah! Yeah. Yeah, no more a slave hero or goblin, goblin slaver. Goblin slaver? Yeah. What's that? I think that series was many things, but I don't think it had slaves in it. Oh, okay. That's the one thing it didn't have. Yeah, yeah. You don't. You can. That's the one. If if slavery is not your thing, if you're one of the the rare people where slavery is not your thing, then uh, goblin slavery. Oh, you like everything else about the genre. Safe material. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty much. All right, we're hitting the hour, so I'm gonna play us out. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Good luck. All right. If you enjoyed this episode, uh, check out our website at animefeminist.com, and. Uh, if you really like this episode, uh, donate to our Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash animefeminist. Every little bit counts. We have a lot of projects that we want to do for the site that uh, we need more cash to do. You can also follow us on Twitter, uh, twitter.com slash animefeminist, on Tumblr, animefeminist.tumblr.com, and on Facebook, Facebook at animefem. That's the twist. Thank you to Peter and Gabo for coming on, and thanks for listening. Thanks, Annie fam. <laughs>